It is Locked On Jazz for the 11th of January. The Utah Jazz went to Detroit, couldn't guard the Pistons, lost the game, and I said pull the fire alarms. Maybe I'm right. We'll talk about what happened and incredibly lack of collectiveness on the offensive end as well. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked On Jazz. Pow. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, and hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. You need it today. I probably should have brought the happy hat today. Thank you so much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of every single day. We are free and available on all platforms. And if you're on YouTube, you can grab it. And subscribe right over here somewhere. Um, and uh, click the subscribe button. We got great subscribers. Hit the bell button, and then you'll be notified. Special hello to the crew Paul, Dalen, Yorgis, and Greece. Lacey, are you okay? Um, Bo or Bob, who had some funny comments yesterday, last night in the chat. Derek, Jim, and TJ, uh, thanks to have you uh, with us. Uh, all right. Let me take a few moments. There are a bunch of things here. Uh, What happened on the court is indisputable. I want to give a thought or two. um, And then we should really talk about how incredible Rudy Gobert is, right? I mean, like, what we just watched for two games was a team we completely don't recognize on either end of the floor. Absolutely horrendous defensive team. Indiana had their sixth best offensive game of the year. Pistons had their second best offensive game of the year. And and even offensively became a team that was unrecognizable in the game without Rudy Gobert. Like, you know what? We've, we've all sat here. We've all trumpeted it. We've all talked about it. We've all, I, I, I've tried to claim he's a top five most impactful player in the league. Like, I, I don't actually have to claim it anymore. Like, it's abundantly obvious how amazing Rudy Gobert is. I'll dig into it more in a second. I do want to open the show with this. And and this is this is hard because I'm not on the road with the team. I'm in the van. And if I was on the road with the team, I think I'd be able to give you a better understanding of this. But there is a chance that the incredible, overwhelming stress of Omicron running through the team – I mean, I was interacting with guys yesterday. I mean, there was just a stress level like – it started with the coaches, then a player, then another player, then another. And it, it it was just rolling, right? We just kept getting text message after text message yesterday about another player and another this and another. And they all got to figure out how, where are they going to be and where are you going to stay? And you're, you're, you're terrified when you're in Toronto that you're going to test positive and be stuck there for 10 days. And then you're stuck. You know, you're worried when you're in Detroit. If I, if I come up positive right now, I'm stuck here. And what do I do about my family? And how do I get back? And. You know, and actually the way it works right now, talking to some of the guys, you know what, if, if you get stuck and you're quarantined right now, they're only home for like a little bit and then they're back out on another road trip. You could go 25 days without seeing your family really easily right now. I, I do think we have to take a quick second and at least acknowledge 
the stress and the anxiety that's running through this team right now with everything that's going on with the virus, with it spreading, the fact that they're now in the midst of the spread. I talked to a team yesterday, 38 of their 60 members of their traveling party, like, got it. Like, this thing's going to spread. We're in the midst of it. We got another, I'm guessing, 10 to 14 days of this where every day we just get two or three more positive tests. Like, at some point it stops, right? But I do think they, they look so out of character and so bad against both Indiana and Detroit that you you have to at least consider this. Now, I can flip over on the other side of my shoulder from the animal house here and say, like, you know, I was talking to a friend last night, and he was like, is it just, come on, it's just they're out of character, they're stressed, fifth game of road trip. I was like, yeah, right, but we actually have some data that says to us, like, without Rudy Gobert on the floor, we're the 12th percentile of all defenses, and we're horrendous, and this has been going on for three years without Rudy, and now all of a sudden we played back-to-back games without Rudy because he hardly ever misses games, and suddenly we turn two not-good offensive teams into juggernauts. Like, that's a little disturbing. The other thought I would give, and, and I'm not I'm not trying to, like, like, we'll address. Like, that was bad. Like, don't misunderstand. And I'm actually, I'm way more concerned, quite honestly, about what I saw on the offensive side of the ball and then what I saw on the defensive side of the ball. What I saw on the offensive side of the ball was a lack of togetherness, collectiveness, um, unity that I've never seen out of a Jazz team before. Now, maybe Rudy does that too, and and I'll get into it. So I'm kind of all over the map here. I'm trying to stay a little focused, um, which is not the easiest thing. So first point on this is, hey, they're human. There could be a real anxiety COVID, exhaustion, funky road trip, some going to Toronto, some not, running through the team, testing all the time, waiting for your test results. There's a real chance that you dealt with a distracted team that, okay, we got that. You can decide whether you want to put that into your equation. I'm going to give you items that you can put into your equation, and then you can decide how to react to what the Jazz did the last two games, and particularly losing to Detroit uh, and not being able to defend Detroit. The, The second one, it's really interesting. If you actually look at how this team's built, is you actually have to give some incredible credit to Quinn Snyder and the coaching staff and the front office. The organism that is the Utah Jazz is on one level incredibly, perfectly, exquisitely put together. What we've discovered is it's also incredibly fragile. Now, it seems to be fragile both in its makeup of personnel and, frankly, seems to be fragile in either confidence or fortitude or resiliency or grit, right? Like, unfortunately, we have... You lost a 22-point lead. I think that actually, someone pointed this out. I didn't look it up last night. I think it's like the first regular season 20-point loss we've had in like eight years. So we're usually pretty good. But we have the Denver playoffs and we have the Clipper playoffs, which are lingering issues over the top of our head of times where our team just did not fight through things very well. Now, the ego, what was built by the front office and by this team is this incredible 
offensive juggernaut predicated on the greatest defensive player of the world. And they've built it in such a beautiful fashion with players that actually kind of match to it perfectly. And it all comes together to the best record in the NBA last year. They have the winningest record since 16-17. And last night, they lost to the worst team in the league and they couldn't get a stop against arguably the worst defense in the history of the NBA. Like, that contrast is incredible. Like, mind-blowing. It's a tribute to Rudy. Rudy is the kingpin on how this entire thing has been built, structured by the front office and how the coaching staff has built it. And so you literally have a guy in the middle who when he's on the team last year and plays virtually every game, he literally went 50, we went 52 and 20. Had the best record in the NBA. We have the best record in the league since 16, 17. You pull him out of it. And the Detroit Pistons, who were 10 points below league average offensively, the biggest margin I could find anywhere on anything. The last three teams that actually were close no longer exist. The Charlotte Bobcats, New Orleans Hornets, and the New Jersey Nets. And they turn up and put a 120-plus offensive rating on us for their second-best offensive rating of the year two nights after the Indiana Pacers put up the six-best. And the fact of the matter is the Detroit Pistons just spread the floor, drove at our guys, and said, I dare you to guard us. And we couldn't do it. Like, that's crazy. Now, we're going to dig into it, and I'm going to dig into the offensive side. And I'm not going to lie to you. I am super concerned about what I saw offensively. We lost the game because we were horrendous defensively. I'm super concerned long-term about what I watched offensively. Not, like, that was not, that is not good. But the the two early takeaways, there is a human element to this. And the thing that's been built is incredible and perfectly molded but it's like crystal and if anything goes wrong it seems to just shatter all right that is the opening thoughts on this we'll dig into like what has happened defensively what it means um where we go take some of your comments and then we'll look at the the off lack utter lack of passing the basketball it's just stunning uh, of what happened yesterday, and you know, I don't. If no Rudy, I, I, I guess um, today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at forty six forty six South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. Uh, the really incredible people, the Murdochs, have decided that they will not increase MSRP in any way, shape, or form, even though there's a car shortage going on. We're not playing that game. Is basically the message that they sent and we're not Blake literally said to me, I'm not going to the grocery store and I'm not going to church having gotten an extra thousand, two, three, five thousand dollars out of someone because of a tough time. So we're not going to do that. Uh, the other element, they've got more cars coming in. There's actually some pretty good inventory right now. They're all coming in by February. So get it done. We own two Santa Fe's. I'm driving a Kona right now. Well, right now I'm driving the van, but I driving a Kona is my regular car right now. Uh, you can all check it out. The Elantra one North American car of the year. The Sonata was what I was driving for. Someone bought my red Sonata used that I was driving. I'm very jealous if you're out there. I'm mad at you for that because that car was great. Um, all check it out at Murdoch Hyundai 4646 
South State Street. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at betonline.ag. If you're going to get into the activity for the football playoffs, then make sure you do it with betonline.ag with the promo code locked on. You get a 50% welcome bonus. The Bengals are a six point favorite over the Raiders, while the Bills are a four point favorite over the Patriots on Saturday. Sunday, the Buccaneers are an eight and a half point favorite against the Eagles, and the Cowboys are a three point favorite over the Niners, while the Chiefs are a 13 point favorite over the Steelers. And on Monday night, the Rams are a four point favorite over the Cardinals. Not sure that last night, did much for our NBA future odds. Uh, the championship odds right now are still Brooklyn plus 275. They lost last night uh, to in a game that they should have never lost. Golden State plus 325. Milwaukee plus 750. Phoenix plus 900. Lakers plus 1,200. Jazz plus 1,200. They have not changed since yesterday. But frankly, we are sliding out of the title contender category, according to betonline.ag. Thanks very much for making Locked On Jazz your first listen of the day. I really love Locked On Now. Go check it out, both on the NFL and the podcast level. Locked On Now brings you a recap. I just recap the whole NFL Sunday, recap last night's action. That's available for you today. Then I jumped to Locked On today. That was my drive up to here to Snowbird. I got it all. Everything I need to know, that's available for you. Thanks very much for making us the first listen of the day. I see a lot of comments in the comment zone. Nice audience live this mo- today. Uh, super appreciate it. All right. Defensively, Last night, uh, what really happened is the same thing that happened against the Clippers, the same thing that happened uh, earlier this year, the same thing that's been happening to us time and time again, which is the Detroit Pistons in the second half of the game predominantly just spread the floor, played Trey Lyles at center. Once they got Isaiah Stewart off the floor and they just drove the basketball down our throat. Our defensive rating in the third quarter last night was a 148. Okay, Detroit's offense rating is 100. It's 10 points below league average. Like, that's so bad. It's actually so bad, I almost kind of go to the anxiety and stress thing I brought up earlier because it's unfathomable that this team could be that bad defensively against a Detroit Pistons team that's not good and is awful offensively. Royce O'Neal had no chance on Cade Cunningham last night. None. And then they'd switch Boyan on him, and he had no chance. And then we'd rotate badly, and then we'd they'd hit wide-open threes. And there's some point where, like, oh, well, they went 9 of 11 on corner threes, which is, I agree, absurd. But actually, the game wasn't even close. Back-to-back games, we never got inside five points with five minutes left. So, you can like, we can talk about the threes but and how much shots they had. But I'm not, I'm not sure that's actually valid. In the fourth quarter, our defensive rating was a 158. So, I mean, did we just wear, like, do we just wear out? We really just tired on a five-game road trip? Hard, hard to believe. There's not a player on the roster that ducked out of the second half defensively. Royce O'Neal defensive rating 157. Boyan 158. Hassan 152. That means that they're scoring 1.5 points per possession when they cross half court. Mike Conley, 1.4. Donovan Mitchell, 158. 
Clarkson, 153. Norval Powell, 120. But the offense is a 40. Like, he he, like he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know the roster. Eric Pascal, 150. Daniel House, 143. Like, okay, we're playing some guys we're not used to playing. But frankly, in the second half last night, Hassan Whiteside played 15 minutes. Norval Powell played two. And, and Daniel House played six. Like, so really, last year, the number one defensive team in all of the NBA take one guy off that roster and we're allowing a 152 for 24 minutes against the against the Detroit Pistons? That's crazy. We should just be having a Rudy parade today. We should just literally, if this is really what it is, we should literally just be all going to the team store and buying Rudy shirts right now. It's incredible. We got outscored in the final 30 minutes of the game. 94 to 64 by the Detroit Pistons. I don't even know what I think's most remarkable to that. I mean, the Detroit Pistons should not. You can be tired. We can be, like, all the things we've talked about. It shouldn't be the case. You know, you would hope that you get on the floor and those things go away. But five-game road trip. Fatigue? I, I, I guess. Um, really, really hard, really, really hard to grasp. 94 to 62, the Detroit Pistons shot 61% from the floor, 68% from three. They didn't shoot a free throw in the first half. They went 11 of 12 in the second half. I mean, it is kind of so out of body that it's super hard to not kind of wonder what else might be going on. But it it was really, and to think, like, this is great. If Rudy plays, Detroit doesn't score, right? Like, we know that. Like, if Rudy plays last night, Detroit doesn't score. Buy your 27 jersey. Like, this really should just be kind of where I started, like this incredible, amazing tribute to how totally incredible Rudy Gobert is. And then, honestly, like that our team has been built in a manner to maximize what it is to the point where it has the best record in the NBA. Last year, and one of the best records in the NBA this year, and has been so dang good. And then, yeah, it gets exposed in the playoffs. But like we're seeing what the exposure is the minute you pull Rudy out. Like, holy cow. Now, the concerning thing, actually, honestly, and I, I, I guess we can, like, you know, I don't, I, like, Royce couldn't guard, Boyan couldn't guard, Jordan couldn't guard, Donovan couldn't guard, Mike couldn't guard. Like, they got all of them last night. I watched the second half. I'm not trying to, like, none of them could guard. Now, is that, again, collective, energy, whatever, like, Again, like that seems strange, but that's what I watched. You know, so, and Hassan Whiteside's, you know, he's a minimum center, 
Like he's a good minimum center. So there's a you know there's a great like I don't remember where I was. This was before it was viral. It was before guys were making thirty million. And I was with a coach. We're kind of chatting. I think Mike's wrong. I can't really remember. And we were actually kind of asking him his meeting. We're kind of being idiots. About like, well, you know, da, da, and like, he's like, you know, the guy on the bench, we pay 22 beeping million dollars. You know why? Because he's beeping good. Like we pay Rudy Gobert 30 some odd million dollars. You know why? Because he's beeping good. And he makes a difference. And like the idea that he doesn't play and we're supposed to just be okay is a stretch. We shouldn't get outscored 94 to 62 by the Detroit Pistons, though. I'm willing to go there. Um, okay. This right here. Every possession and the number of passes that was thrown on each of those possessions of the second half. It's Really, really bothersome to me and against the core of who we are. And it's the issue that I think is the long-lasting issue that has to be solved from yesterday because the other stuff gets solved when 27 comes back. We'll talk about it when we continue on Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen of the day. Locked on now should be your next listen of the day. All right. Third quarter, we open up the third quarter. We're ahead by 10. We actually throw three passes on the first possession. Donovan has a really weird turnover like he's not like totally plugged in. Like it was weird. He throws the ball in kind of a it's a flare pass that's supposed to go to Mike. It's a double flare to Mike. We throw three possessions. It's the only possession in the entire second half in which a player passes a basketball and touches it again. The Jazz had one possession in the entire second half of the game in which they passed the ball and somebody else touched the ball. Somebody who passed the ball touched the ball again. When you no longer believe that if you give up the basketball, you're going to get it back, you stop passing. Okay? So that's the first possession. We run a nice little set play. It's a play we run a lot. It's a double flare for Mike. And Donovan airballs the air mails the pass. The next possession, we make one pass to Bogey. He goes one-on-one, dribbles off his leg, out of bounds. The next possession, we throw two passes. Donovan turns it over on the second one. Again, a really weird, throws in the backcourt, strains like he's not plugged in. Like as though Donovan came out of the locker room just... Wasn't totally good. You actually see him at one point knocking his head. Again, I'm not there, so these are hard. This is like just kind of what you do when you're not there. Our next possession, we run a set play. I think we ran four down or something. Beautiful set play, ran it. Bogey gets a layup. Our next play, we throw three pass. We threw three passes. The next play, we threw three passes again. And Donovan actually takes kind of a terrible shot on the right wing and misses. And our next play, we have a fast break. We throw two passes, leave it behind for Hassan. He misses. Okay. So in the opening six possessions of the second half, we have three possessions with 
three passes, two possessions with two passes, and Bogey turns it over. We will have one possession for the rest of the game in which we throw more than two passes in the front court. That's it. It's over. We stop passing the ball. Literally, stop passing the basketball. Stop playing as a team. Stop playing collectively. This is one of those shows where I think I have like this incredible information and I feel like nobody cares. Everybody just wants to trade everybody and do other things like that. And I feel like I'm giving like this amazing data, this amazing research. And I can like see like the chat room has no interest in this and you're listening and you might have no interest in this also because you want Miles Turner or Jeremy Grant or somebody else. No, I love that the fact that the chat room is is discussing these things, those trades because that's what the chat room is for. But I actually, it's a funny job you have here. Where, like, you actually do this research, you think it's incredible, and then you wonder at the end of the day, like, did anybody take it in? I think most of you are, because you actually um, are incredible audience and really, really into it. All right, so opening six possessions, three possess, three passes, three times, two possess- Then, Then Mike Conley takes a floater with 8.33 left. If I'm a cynic, I'm going to say Mike Conley knows he's about to check out of the game, hasn't got a shot yet, decides he's getting his turn. If I'm a, it's not really Mike Conley's persona. The dude was plus 10 last night. The dude's been positive now for 15 straight games. No, he's not been negative. He was zero against the Warriors. Not been negative for 15 straight games. The last time Mike Conley was negative in a game was November 26 against the Pelicans. Okay? Like, it's incredible. Mike Conley's amazing because he passes the ball. But on this case, he didn't. So now Mike Conley, Mike Conley's still in the game. And now Donovan comes down and has a no-pass possession. And then Mike Conley makes one pass to Donovan, and he doesn't pass, and he shoots a floater. And then the next possession, Donovan comes down and doesn't pass. And then Mike Conley checks out of the game. By the way, if you're Boyan Bogdanovich, you have not touched the ball now in seven plays. Mike Conley, you might have touched the ball. You brought up the floor. You passed it and knew there was no chance you were ever seeing it again. If you're a son white side, you just had 18 points. You haven't touched the ball. Royce O'Neal hasn't touched the ball, and you're supposed to go back and defend every possession. Guys are just not touching the ball. The essence of Quinn Snyder basketball over the years has been obvious unselfishness. He believes in people touching the basketball to stay engaged. None of that. Now, they were switching, but, I mean, still. Okay. So now all of a sudden, since the 833 mark, we've thrown, and we've had four possessions, we've thrown one front court pass. Game slipping away, by the way. We make one pass, Donovan misses on a drive. Well, Jordan's in the game. He hasn't touched the ball yet. So on the next possession, we make one pass, and Jordan travels. Then we make one pass, and Jordan takes a uh, floater. I actually don't care if these balls are going in or not. You can't win like this because nobody wants to play with you. And nobody will make the extra effort defensively, and nobody will make the right plays if you play like this. I don't give a crap if any of these shots. It's not okay if they just went in. At least that's my opinion on basketball. We are now one, two, three, four, five, six, seven straight possessions with one pass. And so now we swing a pass to Bogey, and what do you think he does? Shoots immediately. He hasn't touched the ball in one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 
10 possessions. He's run up and down the floor 10 times without touching the ball. We swing it to him. Woohoo! I'm letting this rip. Right? Clarkson, next possession. One pass. Misses a corner three. That actually uh, was a nice play. Uh, Donovan drove. He was wide open. These aren't all bad shots. These are not all bad shots. And some of them are going in, and our defense, our offense was actually okay. It's more stylistically what we what happened to us. Okay, but now Donovan has, e- has not taken a shot in one, two, three, four, five possessions. He's brought the ball up five times in a row, made one pass, and never seen it again. So the next possession, Donovan doesn't pass and turns it over. And the next possession, Donovan drives and has an awesome dunk. Then we get a fast break alley-oop to Donovan. So we're rolling a little bit. Donovan makes a nice drive and then gives it to Pascal, who's fouled on a one-pass possession. And then the next two possessions, Donovan takes a floater, no passes, and a miss, no passes. We are now at 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14 possessions where we took one or fewer passes in the front court. The next two, Mike Conley comes back in the game. We throw two passes on each of the next possessions. Pascal gets a dunk, and Hassan hits a floater, and we close the half. So now we come out for the second half. Mike gets stripped on the opening possession, so there's no passes. Um, something weird happens here. Oh, uh, we make one pass. There's a foul. We bring in a sideline out of bounds. Uh, Conley just shoots. Takes a dribble to his right and shoots. Like, if you're Mike Conley, you want your shots. Like, you better get them up because what you're experiencing tonight is that you're not getting them back. They're not happening in the natural flow of the game. There is no natural giving the ball up to get to the next guy to get shots. So next possession in the fourth quarter. We're actually in the fourth quarter, right? So Clarkson's in the game, no pass possession, early three. Fine shot. Again, Perfectly fine shot. It's the way we want to play. We want to play early. We want to let those rip. That's fine. The next possession, we move the ball. We throw four passes, and Whiteside gets fouled. By the way, we turned over a three-pass possession where Donovan had a weird play. Bogey got a layup. Donovan hits a contested shot. Whiteside gets fouled. So we went three for four on scoring on the possessions with four passes. On two pass possessions, Donovan turns it over. Whiteside misses a free throw, uh, fast break. We score on the next two, two for four. Donovan, three, makes it. Conley, three, makes it. So we scored on three of four of those two. So we scored on like 75% of the possessions where we made more than one pass. Um, Okay. Conley goes out of the game. We uh, Nice Pascal gets a layup early in the offense. We kind of pushed it ahead. One pass layup. Great. No pass possession by Donovan for a three. That's not good. No pass possession by Donovan for a turnover. Donovan drives, loses the ball. Picked up by Eric Pascal. Flips it to the corner to Jordan Clarkson for a three. It's good. Great play by Pascal. Donovan turned it over. Pascal was there to get it. Like, there's no pick from Rudy. There's no rotating defense. Like, 
it actually stems a lot back, and there's no Joe. Like, no Rudy, no Joe. Really matters here. The offense runs through Rudy. We set the pick. They switch. We spin it. Joe gets it. Joe rotates it. Now the thing's going, and we move it. No Joe. No Joe really matters here. Okay. Um, the next possession, Bogey travels. Then Bogey, one pass possession, Bogey misses a three. Same thing. When you don't move it, it just builds on itself. I don't even need to keep going. Donovan, no pass. I mean, like, really, I don't need to keep going. There's reasons. No Rudy setting the picks to start the offense. We're not playing the way we usually do. No, they're switching. It's hard to make those passes. No Joe, no natural ball mover. But that we got there and we're that, had had that demonstrably lack of collectiveness, to me, worries me. That can't be a happy locker room on a night like that. I mean, you lost, but it can't be a happy locker room. So buy your Joe jersey. Buy your Joe jersey. Because Joe, Joe, we missed Joe. We missed Rudy's pick setting. We missed everything that we are. We set, like, Rudy sets 90. We built this organism. It's beautifully put together. It's fabulously gorgeous. It's a fabulous piece of art, but it's like a Jenga block. And you pull one out, and it crashed badly. And that's what we saw yesterday. It's not great. Tells you we're really fragile. Um, so, I'll, add, I'll, I'll leave you with this thought today, because I know you were all doing trades. Like, make sure it really helps. Right? Like, I hear all this stuff about a wing defender. Okay, it'd be great. But if I'm Detroit, and you have one wing defender, I'm just switching him off onto somebody else. Right? Okay. Like, you you put your one wing defender on Cade Cunningham because we had no chance in guarding Cade Cunningham in the second half last night. Like, okay, well, then I'm just going to run an in, a small, small pick and roll and move that one wing defender onto, the, onto Sadiq Bay, and then I'm going to let Cade Cunningham go against whoever I just chose. Like, you better go get three wing defenders if that's what you want to do. Um, oh, by the way, I need all of them to shoot as well as our guys we have right now because we're – that's – what we do. Uh, there was an interesting question that was asked, and I'm going to see if I can find it before we wrap up the show. And that is um, passes against Denver. So give me one second to see if I can find this. Um, give me one second. All right. It'd be funny if last night's pass numbers were actually good. They won't be. All right. Um, the fewest passes we've thrown on any game all year was Milwaukee 244 on the 31st, and last night we threw 246. Against Denver, we only threw 260. So we did not move the ball that much more against Denver. Um, we did actually move the ball against Indiana a little bit, it looks like. Our best game of passes was Charlotte, 
and then Minnesota. Minnesota trapped us and forced us to pass. I'll bet Toronto's in here. Oklahoma City on the opening game of the year, we threw 306. Oh, no, that was a later game. But Atlanta, we threw 305. Miami, we threw 301. Orlando, 300. I mean, like, passes are not everything. We lost a bunch of those games. Um, 300 against Portland, 295 against Toronto. Minnesota, these teams are forcing us to pass. They're trapping. They're forcing us to pass. Indiana. Um, Indiana the other night was 262. It was our 28th most amount of passes in a game. Last night was our 246, which was 40. I, I don't think I can break it up by half. Um, but that would be super interesting if I could. Because, um, and it does not look like I know how to do that. Because um, I'm, you know, the second half numbers are the ones I really uh, built on. All right. Thank you very much for tuning in and listening. Um, and we'll try to get through it. Buy your 27 jersey. Buy your Joe Ingles jersey. He's two, right? He's two. Isn't he? Joe Ingles two? He switched around. Changed. Did something. Okay. Um, so we've see how we come out of this. More COVID to come, I'm sure. So that'll be the next challenge. All right. And it's also dog days of the season. That was a bad night. Maybe we need those bad nights to get going. Phoenix had a really bad night the other night, too. So we'll see how it happens. See you later.